Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unbiased Freedom Podcast. As always, myself, Thomas, along with Ian. Hello, hello. And we got a little introduction to add. We are going to have Mr. Sean Ledford joining us from here on out. And Sean, how you feel about it, buddy? Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm really excited to be able to do this with you guys every week. I had such a fun time last week, and uh, I felt like we had a really good flow, so I'm really excited to be here. Yes, sir. Awesome. We're, we're really excited to have you, man. So, Yeah, we are. Uh, just also as another little heads up, Mr. Ian and myself are absolutely being killed by these beautiful allergies here in the state of Tennessee, so bear with us just a little bit. I'm finally getting my voice back after Four days, so uh, just bear I, with us. A I never bit. lost my voice, but um, I woke up this morning completely congested, and then took my shower, thinking that was going to help. And now my nose won't stop running. So, well, what sucks is that work because of my allergies. I ended up having to get a strep test and a COVID test, which both came back negative. Oh, but you know, that's at least you don't have the Rona, bro. It, right. Well, as far as we know, because we all know those tests are not very accurate. <laughs> yeah, sadly, that is true. And, you know, even if you did have the Rona, you probably have a better chance of surviving than the drive back on 24 back home. So good news. Well, that's true. <laughs> all right. So anyways, guys, today we're going to go through and we are going to talk about the U.S. Constitution, one of the best documents in the world, in our opinion, and in most people's opinion, because it is. I mean, let's be honest. We wouldn't have the country today that we have if it wasn't for this document. And the founders really had a lot of thought into what they were doing to curtail the government and to prevent what happened in England, which was obviously the reason they left and started this, this great nation. So I think what we're going to do is we're just going to start from the top, read off the amendments, and talk about how that applies to modern day. Yes, sir. Sean, you want to lead us off on it, buddy? Uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, we'll start with number one, uh, religion and expression. Uh, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting, prohibiting the free ex exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a, re uh, for a redress of grievances. Okay, so right off the bat, I see a problem today <laughs> that we're running into is uh, the uh, far radical left don't like freedom of speech. They want to attack you for thought that is different of their own. And then, of course, they don't like uh, to peacefully assemble either. That seems to be a problem for them. They, they like to repeat offend on that. Well, don't you know, according to, I think it was CNN, where does it say it has to be peaceful? Uh, right, right there. <laughs> Wait, what? Right, right there in the first amendment. Yeah, that, or of the press, or the right of the people to peacefully assemble, peacefully. Quotation marks. <sighs> so no more rioting. That's insane. You can't go still Nikes because your police officers shot somebody and you're upset about it. Well, that's not fair. Because that's wrong too. Well, let me ask you this, though. Um, I mean, obviously, there are some instances where people are assembling peaceably and they are met with force by the cops. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? What, what should they do in that kind of scenario? Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. 
when you're marching down the street and you're blocking off traffic, that's a problem because you're impeding the rights of others to be able to travel and go to work and do other things. If you want to peacefully assemble, do it at the courthouse in the lawn. Don't do it and impede everybody else's lives because there are people that lives are at stake. They've blocked ambulances where people have died on the way to hospitals. Because, Those police officers Yeah, in I Dallas. Know. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. Um, there's the thing is, is I am hundred percent for protesting the government. I was, I was, uh, against the Iraq war. Um, the Iraq veterans against the war, um, marched on Washington, the Capitol. They didn't impede any traffic. They didn't cause a ruckus. And for that, they had police there, but the police were actually there to make sure they didn't get out of hand because there were arrests because, you know, there, when you have a crowd of say 20 or more, you're, you could bet that there's one bad apple in that crowd that's going to try to start stump, something. And then we all know just from sh- social experiments, what people do when they're in large groups. I mean, let's just be honest. People can, can lose their inhibition to think for whatever reason. And that riot mindset starts to happen and it can, it can happen fast. I mean, we've seen it happen really fast. Well, we also have laws on the books that say that you're not supposed to impede traffic. You're not supposed to be on roadways. And if you're planning something to where you're going to need to march or whatever, you can file and get permits and have those streets shut down. That's and true. then that way it's safe not only for the people who are doing the protesting, but it's also going to be safer for officers, for bystanders, everything else. So there's ways to do it. And yes, there has been times where peaceful protests have been broken up due to the police. There's usually some underlying reason why that that you're probably not aware of because we all know that not everything is reported on. Well, that and the media is so slanted. They do anything. It doesn't matter. And this is true for when Obama was office, when we had the uh, Occupy Wall Street happening right after the bank bailouts. I mean, they were camping out on federal property and they basically took over Central Park in New York City. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that. I was following that very closely because Adam Kokesh, who mounted and did was unsuccessful at becoming the libertarian party nominee this year um basically he had a he had his own podcast and he was a video documentary at the time everything that was going on down there and it was absolutely wild man it was nuts down there and there is a place for protesting for sure i mean we can look back there's plenty of instances where peaceful protests have happened and have affected change. I mean, you can look at the state of Tennessee um, when they wanted to uh, tax our income. We don't have a state income tax here because a lot of people made a lot of noise at the the Capitol building downtown back in, believe it was 1996. So, I mean, there are plenty of instances where good people go and make a lot of noise because a squeaky wheel usually does get the grease. However, there's a right way, and I think there's a wrong way to, go, to approach that in every aspect. And here lately, wherever there's been a protest, there's a news story that follows it. And sometimes it's good, but most of the time it's not. And I'm not saying that that's the fault of the protesters, but it's just the fault of the human mind and also the fault of the media for just focusing on the bad stuff that happens all the time. 
they won't report on how many protests that have happened that have been peaceful. I mean, can you really go and find those legitimate numbers? I mean, I challenge anybody to go try and find those numbers because those protests aren't documented. They're not historical data, you know, for that. Hey, we had a protest in, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee on August 6th at 9 a.m. Like there's no like running tab of protests across the country. There's probably a protest going on right now because somebody doesn't like KFC, you know, and they're holding a sign somewhere. I mean, let's be real. Absolutely. But I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the perception right now is that yep. uh, some of these, some of these peaceable protests are being shut down for the wrong reasons. And uh, so I would, I would absolutely encourage people to uh, kind of readdress what peaceably assemble means. Yes, sir. Uh, but back to, uh, back to what this actual first amendment about religion um, and expression and expression. Yes. Freedom of speech. And that's, that's kind of where we hit that double-edged sword. Like you were talking about with the media, um, you know, they, they have the, they have the freedom of speech. They can, uh, they can talk about whatever they want to, but I, I feel like the problem with the media right now is that they spin everything in a certain light one way or another based on their beliefs. Yep. And it can get, uh, it can get really, uh, it can get really sticky trying to trying to find something um, that is not slanted in one direction or the other. Uh, I know from personal experience, trying to find a news outlet that is unbiased is extremely difficult. It's impossible, really. Well, and that's why if something major comes up, I will look at it from basically far right far left media find the common ground and that's usually yeah the context is usually somewhere in between right and that's when you can kind of generally figure out what the actual you know story is about the actual facts on the matter yeah it's uh it's frustrating um that you can't rely on the media to just report the facts and you have to have a slant every time there's a news story and it's really frustrating. I mean, if a police officer does something stupid and shoots an unarmed man <clears throat> because he didn't have, uh, because he was reaching for his glove box to grab his insurance papers, this happened before. I can't remember the guy's name. I remember watching the video. His girlfriend was in the car too. She filmed it with her phone and the dude gets shot. You have one side, you have one side demonizing the man and then you have the other side venerating him for the same action. It, it gets, uh, it gets exactly. very confusing. So I'm glad you, you spoke up because I was losing my train of thought. So what I was trying to say was, is you have the media that will dig into this man's background to try to find the only dirt that they have on this guy. Like he Any had a kind of justification. Like exactly. he had a parking ticket, you know, like, oh, this man had a parking ticket. So... It, so it was okay for him to be shot. Yeah, like, it's like no, screw you, man. No, that's bullshit. Like that's that's not that's not right. Well, and that happens all the time, unfortunately. Like they, you know, like obviously, I think we can all still agree. Like George Floyd, he they shouldn't have pinned him on his neck. We do know now from the odds absolutely not that it wasn't asphyxiation that was the cause of death. It was because he had. Eight times the lethal fentanyl. dose of fentanyl, yeah, and other contributing factors. But and he had COVID. Yeah, well, and, but it doesn't make it okay that they restrained him the way that they did. Hell no. Most most police jurisdictions across the country, if that's an illegal thing, you, yeah, you yeah. can't 
you can't subdue a person with a knee on the back of the neck because it suffocates people. It makes it hard to breathe. If you think that's not true, I implore you to ask one of your best friends to sit on the back of your neck and see how it makes you feel for five minutes. It's uncomfortable. It's going to hurt. Right. And on concrete on top of that, like, give me a freaking break. The guy, yes, he was not physically combative. He was combative with his speech and, the, and his body language, but the dude wasn't fighting back physically. They had him restrained. There was no reason to sit on the back of his neck after he was arrested. And that's Absolutely. where the I mean, that's throw where the problem him in the back lies. of a cop car or something. Exactly. And that's where the problem lies. Our police officers, they the problem with the left is they've got this paradigm that, oh, if we take money away from the police officers, that all of a sudden we're gonna solve the problems. That's a that's a definite misnomer. Most black communities well, will tell you they let's, want let's talk police about that, officers. Though. Go for it. Let's talk about that though for a second. When people say defund the police, they don't mean take all of the money away from the police, abolish the police completely. What uh, that they actually do in Minnesota, means, that's yeah, literally they've that's voted what they, to completely they, dismantle their police. All right, all right, that's fair. But what and, it started out as what it started out as is demilitarize the pe- the police. Oh yeah, that take I away mean, everything agree was that or everybody agrees with that. 100%. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great direction. Obviously, they've taken that and they've twisted it to an extreme. Um, right. But I mean, that's that's what that's what it started out as demilitarize the police, take away those those things that the military uses to deal with people, because we, uh, you know, we're not enemy insurgents or anything like that. We're just people that they're supposed to be enforcing the laws. Right. Well, and I mean, I think, yes, like normal everyday police officers should not have access to this. I think under certain circumstances, SWAT teams having access to certain weapons, depending on why they are being called in the first place, then it can maybe make sense. But for the most part, yes, we do need to demilitarize. We need to end qualified immunity. We need to end no-knock rage, which we'll talk a little bit more about in just a little bit. But there's definitely needs to be some forms of reform, and there does need to be better de-escalation training. Absolutely. Yeah, I can agree with that 100%. Yeah, so, uh, so just to reference an article that came out 12 days ago in St. Paul, Minnesota, after they voted to defund the police completely, they voted to completely abolish their police force. September 15th, they're now asking, where is the police and why are they so slow to respond? And why is violent crime on the rise? Because you didn't want police. It's, that's so stupid. It's backwards. So what needs to happen is funding needs to be corrected. The funding doesn't need to be removed or scaled back in any capacity. If you agree that police are a necessity to a civilized society. I don't necessarily believe that as an anarcho-capitalist. I think we can police our own communities better than anybody else. I think private police actually do have a place because they are held accountably as an individual instead of being protected by the police 
Well, and that goes into if you end qualified immunity and make each officer have some form of personal liability insurance, then it puts that responsibility solely on that officer and not on us, the taxpayers. Because at the end of the day, if somebody sues the police department for $50 million, that's coming out of our own pockets. Yeah, that's what people don't understand. It's like, hey, let me fix this problem. By let's just take money away from all of us and give it to the person instead of actually attacking the problem. And that's the police officer that committed this crime, you know, or did the bad thing that needed to be done. And then they get a slap on the wrist and then they move away. Everybody forgets their name and they're back working for another department in five years, you know, and here we go. Vicious cycle repeats itself. At some point. Absolutely. And if you, uh, if you look at, if you look at doctors, I mean, they, they they lose their license. They have to the ability. Yeah, they have the ability to be sued constantly if they mess up. And I mean, that's an extremely hard job. I think we can all agree that that's probably harder than trying to police people. Um, and I mean, they you know they they still have the ability to be sued, and it and it makes for uh, a better workforce of doctors, in my opinion. And honestly, uh, I think it would be wise as if we actually engage the police in our community more. You know, as young people coming out of high school and going into the real world, I think it would be wise if we, if we actually had students do ride-alongs with police officers, obviously to certain calls, but so say they can actually experience and see what it's like to actually be on the front lines and try to keep their community safe. I think everybody would have a different perspective um, and that goes, I don't care what color skin you got. And, um, I think it would be a good thing if we could engage this community more. And that's from the people, uh, that's from the perspective of the civilians and the police force. There needs to be a unification between us all, because if it's, if it's only thin blue line people and then defund the police or abolish the police people, you got hard left, hard right, and no, nothing's going to get accomplished. You know, you just got people that are just pissed off at each other because they wear a certain color, they have a certain flag on the back of their truck. Like, that's bullshit. At the end of the day, we're all Americans. And yeah, we all, we, we all have to live here. We all have to live here. Exactly. And so this is a problem that we all have to come together to solve. And I think it's a solvable problem. I really do. But we need to really consider what we're doing. Pulling funding away from police is not the answer. In my opinion, we need to reappropriate those funds to, to give them more training. Police officers hardly get any training after they come out of the academy. They, and I've, I saw some articles where some officers don't even go to the range, but once a year. Like, and you're carrying a weapon. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So, and obviously we, you know, we, we want to demilitarize. We want to like get weapons and things like that under control and kind of some of their tactics. But one thing that they need to adopt from the army is they need to be required to take a physical test every so often, make sure that they are in good shape. Because how many times have we seen an, uh, a suspect running away and because they can't catch them, they shoot them. Or, or or they tase him and they have a heart attack. Exactly. Because the guy's 50 right. years old and he's a homeless guy and he just he doesn't want to go to jail. Like, who wants to go to jail? And I think that's another problem that we have in this country is we need prison reform. You know, there are so many people that are being arrested and are hauled off away under the threat of force at the barrel of a gun 
for victimless crimes in this country. And we're talking, you can go to prison for drug, drug possession longer than if you go and rape people. Like, that's ass backwards. I don't care who you are. That's bullshit. And the drug war. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And that's why I'm going to throw down a shameless endorsement here. That's why I 100% uh, approve of Joe Jorgensen. She wants to end all of that. Yes. Yes, I agree. The only presidential candidate that does. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. All right. So let's jump back a little bit onto the Constitution. And obviously, Second Amendment, we all love. It's my favorite. And in my opinion, it's one of the most important because it's the only thing that allows you to protect the other freedoms that we have. We are allowed to, and I will read, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Come on. We have too many laws already written right now that have infringed on these rights. And I believe any law that restricts our freedom needs to be abolished and needs to be getting rid of because this is the only way that we can protect ourselves, our families, our you know, ability to have free speech and everything else. And, you know, I don't personally, anything that the military is allowed to have, I believe we should be able to have. That's, that's my personal opinion though. Yeah. No, no. 100%. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I mean, then you got, then you got people, uh, people coming in like Biden that want to, you know, just completely do away with uh, AR-15s, but they don't even know how to pronounce them. It's insane. Right. Well, what, And what, then he <laughs> also said he was going to nominate Beto O'Rourke to uh, be in charge of gun control. And his famous quote is, hell yes, we're coming for your AR-15 and your guns. No, come on now. That is 100% against the Second Amendment. There's no way that you can do that legally. All right. So weapons, I mean... So we look at uh, crime in this country and the number one way that people are killed is by blunt force trauma. It's somebody punching somebody in the face or beating them with a bat or anything they can get their hands on. Guns are not the problem and assault rifles. I'm using air quotes here because that's an action. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you can have an assault bat painting. I mean, it, if you're using it to try to harm somebody, it's an yeah. assault. Weapon. AR stands for Armalite Rifle. It has nothing to do with assault. So, Armalite Rifle number 15. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I've got one of those myself and absolutely love it. I do too. I took a picture with it today. <laughs> I do as well. I actually built it. Oh, nice. 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 Yeah. So my thing is, is, I think we have a culture problem in this country. I don't think it's a, a gun problem because inanimate objects don't hurt people. I've never seen a gun get up and walk into a room and just blow everybody away. We can look at countless examples all across the world what happens when you have a, a large crowd of unarmed people and you have people with arms. Um, I mean, France is a really sad example. You know, when that terrorist attack happened at that music venue, even the police 
initially did not have weapons. They had to wait for their special police units to show up to even be able to fight back. And, you know, we have a problem, I think, in this country where too many people don't respect their firearms and also they don't get the proper training that's necessary in order to carry them day to day and and be respectful with them. You know, I believe it's the 82% of gun owners commit no gun crimes whatsoever in their lifetime. I mean, that's a huge number. And they're also statistically the the most law-abiding people in the country. So clearly people who have firearms and are firearms owners, um, they, you know, they respect the rule of law and they follow the law for the most part. Well, Absolutely. And, and the example that you were talking about actually leads me into what I was going to say earlier. Um, I think that we, we do need uh, some stricter gun laws, but not in the sense that we're limiting uh, the firearms that are available so much as the people that are able to get them. I'm going to disagree with you there. I think everybody okay, should. That's I think, fair. Yeah, I think everybody should have the right to own a firearm. I think if you commit a crime with a, a handgun or because we all know handguns are used in the commission of crimes way more than rifles are and shotguns. It's always handguns because they're easily concealable. But I think you should lose your ability to have a firearm if you use one in a commission of a crime. And if you have a firearm and you point it at somebody and you steal their shit, in my opinion, whether you pull the trigger or not, you just threaten them with murder because what's well, the that's, alternative, uh, right? That's, that's, actually what I, that's actually what I'm saying. So we're, we're on the same page. Um, Basically, when I say, when saying, I say limit the people that, that can have them, I mean, you know, violent offenders, people right. that, uh, that um, even, even people that threaten with violence, like they shouldn't be able to own stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just a, a better, a better, a better process of determining who gets one rather than, rather than just limiting the type that are out there. Well, and the thing is, is all of the laws that are already being put on the books and, and are already on the books, they don't affect criminals. They only affect the law by citizens right now because criminals, if they want a gun and they're not allowed to get a gun, they're going to find a way. They're not going down to the, gun shop at the corner and buying a gun. They're, no, they're getting it. They're, they're breaking into your it. car. They're breaking they're, into your house. They're killing somebody and taking it off of them. Like there, there's ways that people are doing it. That's already against the law. So I don't think we need any kind of restrictions. Just like people are praising Trump for being so pro two a, a real pro two a president wouldn't have banned bump stocks. Yeah. Come on, man. That's yeah. Right. I mean, like you, like you said, the majority of uh, responsible gun owners are not going to be related to to a gun crime. Well, yeah, and they vastly outweigh the numbers of irresponsible gun owners, like by a vast margin. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think, you know, we we do have an issue with gun culture here. I think there are too many people with kids that don't teach their kids how to respect a firearm, where they can and can't have a firearm. In my opinion, a child has no reason to have access to a firearm firearm 
so that they can carry it to school and carry out a mass shooting. I mean, let's be honest. Sorry to jump in, but I have a seven and a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Right. My seven and five-year-old know where my guns are. They also know I will whoop that butt if they touch them. If they have a question, they know they can ask me about it. Yeah. I have brought out, obviously saved, nothing in the chamber, magazine, nowhere close to it, and showed them like this and that. And even just a few weeks ago, we went to my nephew's birthday party and it was at an airsoft place. And I was showing my kids then trigger discipline with an airsoft rifle because at the end of the day, I want them to have that discipline and understand no matter what, if it's a toy or real, you need to treat it as if it could end somebody's life. And that I've taught to my seven and five-year-old. I think more people need to have these conversations. It doesn't need to be a stigma. It needs to be taught because at the end of the day, it makes for a safer culture you know, all around, but it also makes them respect and understand how dangerous it can be in the wrong hands. Yeah, we take life for granted in this country, you know? We really do. You know, life is life is special. Life is precious. And, and we shouldn't just, we need to respect the fact that you can push one button or pull a trigger and end an entire life, you know? And that's, that's a scary, that's a scary realization. I remember the first time when I bought my first handgun and, and I held it for the first time out. And, and this was me not, not being trained. Of course, I never loaded it, but I was like, wow, like I could, I could kill someone with this. Yeah. Like, this is legit. But you know what? Nobody has any second mind to think that when they get in their 4,000 pound vehicle to drive to work, that, right. man, I could kill somebody with this. Well, you know, or when you're holding your, your, your knife and you're cutting up, you know, a pineapple and you got to have one of those big ass butcher knives to get through that sucker. It's like, yeah, if I screwed up and hit my hand, I could chop my hand off with this right, right. now. We don't think about it in that context, but. What we and the reason for that is because we respect it and we know how to use it and we're not afraid of it. Most people that I know that have been afraid of guns were afraid of them because they didn't know about them. Exactly. They just didn't have the education. And it wasn't their fault. I think we should look into doing something like Switzerland does. Switzerland requires every able bodied person at the age of 18 to go through government training and they are issued a government rifle to defend their country because they were neutral during World War I and II and they said they never want to be in a situation where they can be overrun. And I think that's a smart play. Well, and you actually hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I was going to say because the main difference in uh, the example that you just used with vehicles and guns is that um, you know, everybody is required to have a certain amount of training with a vehicle before they can just take one out and do whatever they want. And I still think um, that and we need more be. training for more drivers. There's a lot of shit drivers out there. So real quick. Well, that's true. What you were saying about Switzerland, I just pulled it up. In, 20, in 2017, the chance of being a victim of violence in Switzerland was 0.3%. The homicide rate was only 2.9 per 1,000 
Wow. 100,000. Wow. <laughs> Just Man. out of curiosity, do you have any statistics on what the, uh, what the homicide related to guns was on that? Well, that's just overall violence. Um, but in that if, same... If it was guns, I bet it's probably even oh, lower. Oh, sure. Well, and that's, in that's that why same, I'm asking. In that same uh, just violent victims overall, in Baltimore, in the same year, it was 55.8% of 100,000. And Baltimore has some of the strictest gun laws and obviously, we know Switzerland does not. So you're telling me right there, there's proof an armed citizen or an armed society is a polite society. So I think I think uh, what we're getting at here, guys, is that um, guns are not the issue. Training is. Training and culture. You know, we need to start teaching our next generation why they have firearms in the first place, you know, what's the history behind them, why they even exist, and what purpose do they have in securing their freedoms and their independence as a human being, you know, not to be taken advantage of by anybody else. Um, because we own our own bodies, we own ourselves. Nobody else has any reason to use threat of force against us in order to bend us to their will. And when you know that your victim is armed, you know, those hyenas, they don't touch that porcupine. Well, all right. So I just looked this up. It says Switzerland hasn't had a mass shooting in 18 years. Um, it also says that the last one was in 2001. The country has nearly 2 million privately owned firearms out of 8.3 million people. And there was only 47 attempted homicides with a firearm in 2016. And the overall murder rate is almost zero. So that right there is pretty damning because we also know that per capita, they have more guns in circulation than we do. So that's really, really interesting data right there to see and actually, you know, look at the context of it. So right there, that tells you we have a people problem here. We don't have a gun problem. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. And they have the mandatory military service for men. All men between 18 or 34 are deemed fit for service and given a pistol or a rifle and trained. Yeah. Yep. I think that's great. And I think we should look into doing something like that. You know, it, I, don't, I don't like the idea of mandating service in the military. That's not what I'm advocating for, but I am advocating firearms training from the government. And I would be completely fine with the Smith and Wesson being issued to every man, woman in this country, you know, and I'm not saying child because no, <laughs> right. that I don't think that's right. Yeah. You need to be of age. You need to have a developed brain. You have to understand the power that you wield holding a firearm. And I mean, let's face it. I mean, Kids, when they steal their parents' vehicles, are, are extremely reckless. And so you just, you know, you don't want them to be in a position where they can do any more harm than that. Well, and what's crazy is there's so much responsible gun owners. They are actually, they voted to reduce the size of their military because they have so many citizens that are armed yes. and trained that they have, they, they're going to shrink their military. Another good example of this That's is crazy. Israel. 
Israel has a very, very high population of gun owners. And the reason for this is because they had a lot of stabbings over in that country for a long time. And they said, well, how can we help our people? Because we can't put police at every corner. Now they have military pretty much at every corner these days due to their security issues. But I mean, let's be honest, giving their citizens the ability to carry a weapon has helped their citizens defend themselves and keep them out of harm, harm's way. So I think it's a good thing. And there are other countries that are looking into um, reestablishing gun rights that have revoked it. Um, namely, there are, uh, I believe Brazil is one of those countries. They got a president that they recently um, appointed. I think it was in the last four or five years. Don't quote me to it, people. I'm not a Brazilian you know, politician mastermind. But what I do know is that he's a, a conservative-leaning guy, and he does want to reinstate the ability for private citizens to own firearms over there. They abolished firearm ownership a while back, and their violent crime rate is absolutely through the roof over there, to the point where, as a U.S. citizen, you don't want to be caught walking around out there by yourself. It's, it's a, it'd be a bad day, because you will get robbed. All right, so here you go. On January 15, 2019, Bolsonaro signed the first decree to facilitate the purchase of guns in Brazil. Thank you. The decree increases the valid gun ownership period from five to 10 years and allows citizens to own up to four firearms. Nice. So they're okay. limiting the number per person that they can have, but I don't like that either. But it's a start. It's a start. Exactly. It's a start because... I'm, uh, there's a couple of, uh, YouTube channels that I've subscribed to. Um, uh, I believe it's, uh, what is it? Asp cover your asp. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You, you don't know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. It's a firearms instructor. He's based out of Phoenix, Arizona. And basically he will go out and, um, and I'll link this, uh, this YouTube channel for those that are interested. He goes and looks at documented crimes that were committed with firearms or the, uh, firearms were used in defense of a crime and he will basically break it down and tell you as an instructor, you know, here's what this person did wrong. Here's what they did right. And if you're in that situation, this is what you should do. And so it's really kind of cool. And I just, I've been noticing a trend that a lot of the videos that he's having to to look at and review are coming out of Brazil. Well, all right. So I just I just kept reading a little bit more because I was really curious to see how many permits and stuff have been uh, enacted. So it says during Mr. Bolsonaro's first year in office, the government issued more than two hundred thousand licenses to gun owners. Gun owners. The federal police, which issues licenses for self defense, approved fifty four thousand three hundred permits in two thousand nineteen, a ninety eight percent increase from the previous year. The Army, which uh, grants permits to hunters and collectors, issued more than 147,800 new licenses in 2019, a 68% increase. And this was in his first year in office. Wow. That's incredible. That's really good. Now, what will be interesting is over time, looking at statistics on firearms, uh, murders, you know, deaths. And I'm saying that as not accidental firearm deaths, because you can accidentally fall in the shower and kill yourself. That that actually happens more than people accidentally shoot themselves, just so everybody's knows. But 
we need to see those statistics. I guarantee you we will see a decline in robberies and murders in that country as more and more private citizens have the ability to defend themselves. Well, yeah, because right now, even in the U.S., there when's one instance of a mass shooting happening that was not in a gun-free zone? They go for places that have soft Easy targets. targets. Yeah. You go for a soft yep. target because you don't want to go in there. You don't want to get shot before you can exactly. even get a shot off. Yeah. So it's it's stupid. It's completely stupid. And and just to circle back on schools, you know, school shootings have been a problem in this country since the early 90s, pretty much. Right. And there's been nothing but copycats ever since basically Colorado happened. So I think. I mean, if we look at our politicians, we look at our banks, all these things, we have armed guards and lots of security. Why in the hell are we not securing our public school buildings and keeping our children safe? Exactly. Some of these veterans that come back from war and they can't get a job, employ them to be security guards at the schools. Guaranteed. They're already trained. They're going to lay down their life to protect other people. They've already done it for their country. It's a perfect win-win situation. It helps reduce our homeless population. It helps reduce suicide rates on veterans. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. That is horrible. God, that's sad, man. Yeah, I I think there's a lot to be said there with that. And, you know, we can look at uh, Florida as an example. The police officers that are paid to do their job, the dude cowered and stood outside while that kid was killing people inside that school. And he just sat there and watched it happen. And yeah, he lost his job, but guess what? He got it back like a year ago uh, with the same department. Like, what is up with that? If you're not willing to do your job, how can we trust you to put a firearm on your hip and walk around to defend the life and liberty of the citizens you're sworn to uphold and protect. That, that, that to me is crazy. See, now you guys, now you guys are just making too much sense. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what do you think, Sean? I mean, let's get you in on this. Yeah, too. man. No, I a hundred percent agree. I think, uh, employing veterans to protect schools is, is a great way to go. That would solve a lot of, uh, a lot of issues, especially for, like you said, people that come back and, don't have the skills to do much of anything else. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's great. Well, cool. Um, well, I think we've all established that we are fans of the Second Amendment around here. It's my favorite, and <laughs> and we know it's Thomas's I'm a, I'm a favorite. <laughs> hey, well, next time you're in town, Sean, we'll have to all go shooting together. Hey, be a the, blast. New, the new range is about Absolutely. to open up near my house. Okay, cool. Let's yeah. make it happen. That's going to be sweet. State-of-the-art, huge right. indoor, 100-yard rifle ranges. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, we can all bring our yeah, ARs. I'll, uh, all right, I got some new toys, too. We'll, we'll talk about that a little more off-screen. But yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely down for that. It sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like a blast. We can assault some papers. <laughs> right. All right, Amendment 3. No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. So basically, it just means our army can't go marching down your neighborhood and occupy your property to use it unless there's some declaration 
from the president, Congress, or whatever. Right. And, and really, that's not even, I mean, obviously, it's still good to have, but it's not really much of a concern right now. Nobody's really dumb well, enough to try to invade us. I mean, if we were attacked today by, and I'm just throwing out somebody, let's say China. If China came in on the West Coast and they're landing, you know, uh, APCs and tanks and tr- paratrooping people in, they're, they're wanting to take the West Coast of the United States. I would be totally fine letting our brave women and oh, men yeah. into my home to use it as they see fit to ensure that my family is protected yeah. and, and we survive. Oh, yeah. And you know, like you, you no, want some tea? Yeah. I got some tea. Yeah. What do you need? You need bullets? <laughs> I got bullets. Hey, you want to use my AR? Go for it. I, it. It's not as good as your. Uh, you well, know. Yeah, they got the AR-10, yeah, right? The yeah. seven-six-two. Yeah. yeah, and it's fully auto. So. Yeah, <laughs> and that would be uh, that would be ill-advised because you know, going back to Amendment Two, we would have the means to defend ourselves. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can uh, you can go back um, to uh, I believe it was uh, gosh don't, I don't want to quote the guy's name, but I remember in World War Two the Japanese was very hesitant to invade the U.S. mainland because they stated that there would be a blade of grass or there'd be a gun behind every blade of grass in the United States. So they knew that it would be unsuccessful. So another little fun fact, why it would be a bad idea. There are more guns than people in the United States. There's over 400 million in circulation with only a population of 330 million. And the first six months of 2020, 19 million firearms were sold, wow. representing more than one firearm for every 20 Americans. Dang. That's and that's why, that's why Biden is the best gun seller in the country. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're not wrong, man. Well, and what's crazy is so all of, notice how... During the coronavirus, there was a bunch of violence. People were freaking out, trying to think that they were going to have to survive somehow. And all of a sudden, gun ownership skyrocketed. That tells you right now, people don't have faith in the government yeah. to take care of them. Well, and even Joe Rogan's left-leaning liberal friends out in California were knocking on his door asking if they could borrow firearms. Right. <laughs> because they were worried they had to def- defend their property. And it was just that quick, the flip, uh, the light switch flipped in their brain. They're like, uh-oh, yeah, the government's not going to take care of me. I've got to take care of myself. So exactly. it's, it's the responsibility of yourself to protect your persons and property. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Be responsible. Go get a handgun. Go get a shotgun. Go get train, a yeah, train. Train with it. It's yeah, not that hard. There are classes everywhere. Don't be afraid of it. And if you know any of us three personally, we will help you out. I've helped my cousin out. She was terrified of firearms. I helped her out, took her to the range. She loves it. She has multiple firearms now. Nice. And she absolutely. And you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's one of those situations where it's, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Because at the end of the day, police can't be everywhere. Exactly. All right. So amendment four search and seizure. And this is a big one for me. Me too. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue, but upon upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. All right. 
So my biggest thing with this is earlier when I said we were going to get to no-knock raids, I believe no-knock raids are against the Fourth Amendment. Of course. And the most tragic recent you know, victim of that is Breonna Taylor. And it's so sad that this lady lost her life because her boyfriend woke up to this commotion and started shooting what he thought was an intruder and potentially her ex-boyfriend who had been violent towards them. So he was doing with a legally owned firearm. He was protecting himself and his property and she was killed. And that is absolutely tragic. And that is why no not rays need to be ended because they go against the immediately. Yeah, there's no place in a civilized society to just come at people in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night at like 3 a.m. Well, I think it's bad, too. I mean, look, the cops don't like doing it either. They know that people have every right to defend their property. And there are there have been instances where they have raided the wrong house. Police officers have been shot by the homeowner and that homeowner was absolved of all wrongdoing because they were doing what they were allowed to do uh, by the castle doctrine in their state. Police officers were killed by erroneously going to the wrong house and attacking it, basically. And we shouldn't be asking cops to do that anyway. That's crazy. So in Maryland alone, I know that's just kind of a random state, but that's what pulled up when I, when I just researched this. It says from 2010 to 2016, at least 81 civilians and 13 officers died during no-knock raids. Or I'm sorry, 31 civilians and eight officers during no-knock raids. That number is unacceptable. 100%. It's it's 100% avoidable too. Right. We can pay people to sit outside or how about this? I was talking to my wife one night about this. We were watching um, Live PD, I think, and they were surrounding a house and the guy didn't want to give up. And um, they were talking about going into getting them. And I was like, why would they even bother? I was like, look, all you got to do, cut the power to the property, cut the water to the property, keep it surrounded and wait. Exactly. Eventually, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to give up. Or they're going to realize they no longer have a source of food and they can't leave to go get it because they've got a warrant that they've got to deal with and they're going to turn themselves in. Or they go out violent, but that was probably something they were going to do either way. But I think the latter is more probable. I think more people would give up if we just gave them more time to think about the situation rather than forcing them to make a decision in minutes. That's my opinion. Right. And in a situation where tensions are already going to be high anyway i mean oh yeah so i just saw this from the pbs website there are between 60,000 and 70,000 no knock raids annually so if in maryland alone there were 31 civilians and 8 officers that were killed during no knock raids imagine that amplified that is unacceptable they have got there, and luckily there are a lot of places that are going to ban it. Obviously, Rand Paul in Kentucky, where this happened, even though he was harassed, saying "say her name, say her name," 
Those people were so ignorant and stupid to not realize that he is the one authoring the bill to end no-knock raids because of this incident. And people are were attacking him coming out of the RNC convention, not even knowing that he's the one that's authoring the bill. Like, do a little research. Like, you guys were attacking anybody who was coming out of the RNC because you were just mad and upset, which you had every right to be. Everybody does. It's unacceptable and it needs to end. But when you have somebody who is fighting for something you believe in to end no knock rates, it just shows the ignorance. Man. Exactly. It just shows the ignorance. It's like, guys, we can be angry, we can be upset. But you need to know where that needs to be channeled. And if you're putting it in the wrong place, you're not going to win a lot of people over to your side. I'm sorry. And guess what? Rand Paul is Republican. Ooh, he's very evil. Li- but he's very libertarian <laughs> leaning, just like his dad. Oh, I know. Which, I, thank God, Ron Paul is doing good. Oh, man. Just that's, a quick segue. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if anybody heard the news, but it looked like he had a stroke during his uh, Freedom Report. that He does a video podcast on YouTube. And on his website, and uh, I think it's called the Liberty Report. And uh, he's completely just zoned out um, and started it, slurring real bad. It was real. It was I, it was hard it was, for me to was, watch, man. Yeah, I got terrible, emotional, man. dude. I it was that, terrible. I look at that guy as my grandpa, man. Like, and then yeah, have they um have they released any details as to what actually happened on that yet? They have not. Um, but luckily, he he's uh, shortly thereafter submitted a photo of him in the hospital bed, thumbs up, and he yeah. looked like he had full control Motion. of his his yep. facial mus- muscles and everything. So thank God. <clears throat> hopefully, they got they got to it quick. And what's crazy is like when he ran in two, it was two thousand and eight, correct? Two thousand and eight and twelve. He should have won. I mean, well, there's no reason he should not have won. He also ran back in, I believe. 88 or 86 okay. yeah and he ran as a libertarian back oh, then oh did he yeah oh okay yeah, See, that, i didn't know that that was his first foray into into politics that man has never wavered he's all well, i want to do a special on ron paul at some point i am down he is he is a fantastic human being and he fought so hard to help try to make this country better and unfortunately was overpowered by people who did not believe the same yeah, they shut down his voice. And I firmly believe that the reason that we're all three doing this right now is because of what he started. He's fanning the flames of liberty, man. That's correct. We may yeah, have I to can, turn this into a multiple podcast uh, segment because we're already almost an hour deep and we've only made it through four <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Real quick, guys, on the, the, the unwarranted searches and seizures, I just wanted to reference a case that we had here in Tennessee recently in your hometown, Thomas, Murfreesboro, August 19th, a lady was, I remember you this. remember that? Yep. They, she was, she was asleep on her couch. She was topless. Not that anybody cares, but, but it's another, it's, it's <laughs> that home private. Well, like, it's part of the context yeah. because yeah. they forced her outside topless. And so she's devastated that her neighbors saw her half naked. She's completely terrified to go to bed at night because she's worried that some men are going to come in here and, and pull her out of her sleep, you know, out of her house. They, they raided an apartment of a drug offender that no longer lived there. They didn't have accurate oh, information. Wow. Yeah. This happens all the time. Go, yeah. go figure, yeah. And guess what the police officers did the next day to apologize? Can can you guys... 
I want you both. I want to hear your guess. I know what happened, you know? so All I right. won't guess. All right, Sean, what do you think they did to, to make this right? Well, I sincerely hope that there was at least a public apology involved. Uh, but that's, that's about my best guess. I believe the police chief did publicly apologize, yes, but the officers that were there took it upon themselves to go and get groceries for her and deliver groceries. That's oh, a okay. great uh, apology. That's like a yeah. slap in the face. It's Dude. like, we know you don't have a lot of money and we know we raided your house thinking that you had a drug criminal there. So here's some groceries. We hope that this sweetens it, the, the deal and it's, it's all don't good. Don't sue us. Yeah, I hope she she sues the shit out of them. She sues the hell out of them. But the thing is, is that, and and I do believe there were officers that were fired because of that mistake, that uh, that uh, address mistake. And they should because there were there was accurate data. They just looked at old data, right? And that was the problem. Somebody fucked up. All they had to do was call the apartment office and be like, "Hey, does this person still live here? Are they still on the lease? No. Okay, we'll look again. Thank you." That's it. That's all it had to be. Yeah. It didn't have to turn into what it turned into. Or knock on the door. When she answers the door clothed, she could have been like, oh, no, he doesn't live here. The, I live here. I signed this lease on this date. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But I mean, that's that's how it should be. I Y'all mean, in every other job. Up today. <laughs> <laughs> in every other job that people work, you know, if they make a mistake, they're fired. But it seems like... uh the police force, police forces out there don't don't want to do that. It's because of qualified they, immunity. Yeah, and and I like the idea, and we've we already touched on this, but if it was an individual responsibility instead of a we're going to protect our police officers because that's what we do, um, you would see more police officers behaving less badly because they know they're going to be held personally re- liable, and if they kill someone or hurt somebody and they get sued. They they make those payments, not the taxpayer. Because why should we be punished for the actions of them? You know that doesn't make any sense well, to me. It's just like car insurance no. or homeowners insurance. You pay a certain amount per month to make sure you're covered, and then if you ever need it, the insurance will cover it. Yeah, I think there's that, a, there's no reason to not do it. State Farm, you are the largest you provider get of insurance. It, I've got one for yeah. me and Brenda. It's we're the largest, or I say we. State Farm's the largest insurance provider in the whole country. They should see this as an opportunity to make money. Well, yeah, because if you're a, because think about it. So, how many police officers do we have in the U.S.? Millions, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so less than one percent, for the most part, you could say are are bad apples. Yeah. So that means if you take a premium. For the other 99%, dude, you're going to make a killing because you're never going to have to pay out. Yeah, but when you do have to pay out, it's not a tax burden exactly on the citizens or the city. Because in some small cities, if there's a $50 million payout, you, could, you could bankrupt the entire town. Exactly. Well, you know? I mean, it's the same. It's the same concept as like malpractice insurance. You know, it's, it's exactly. doable. Exactly. You're exactly right, man. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've been yapping for an hour. We only made it to the Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> we'll have to do a, at least a part two on this. For sure. Yeah, we definitely yeah, yeah. will. Um, in, in respect of everybody's time here today, um, we all have lives, and, and I believe Sean has to work this evening. So we're going to start wrapping it up. 
So let's move over to the good news story of the day, Sean, and we'll let you take that away, brother. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the one that I chose for this week is, uh, is about New Zealand. Um, the New Zealand prime minister pledges to reach a hundred percent renewable energy across the nation by 2030. Um, so that's, that's, awesome. that's always a good thing looking out for the environment, you know? Yeah. That um, is like very we cool. touched, yeah. Like we touched on last week, you know, we all got to live here. So, um, but according to this, uh, According to this article, it says um, due to government initiatives over the past years, uh, including planting 100 million trees a year, um, banning offshore oil exploration and placing a cap on uh, on the use of synthetic nitrogen fertilizer um, in a bid to protect their freshwater agricultural pollution. Um, Okay, let's see here. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't necessarily like the fact that they're going to ban offshore drilling. It's right. like, so they're just, gonna, I, was, I was thinking the exact same. They're thing. just going to push it off on somebody else to do their bidding. Exactly. They're still going to buy oil. You have to have oil. If you, if you're exporting or importing that uses a lot of diesel fuel and where does it come from? Well, the ground. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the same time, if they're pushing to be 100% do we have, renewable, then I, at the, I could see why they would ban it because you wouldn't need You really fuels. believe they're going to not let no. ships dock in their ports? No, I don't believe that at that's all. That's bullshit. You know it. We all know that that's bullshit. Yeah. There's, unless Tesla or something comes up with a electric ship or, you know. That's my point. But we still have to have electric tools to that's, mine yeah, these minerals. True. And that hasn't happened yet. And yet. We're, we are we are a long ways away. I mean, we're we just talked about the Tesla battery day last podcast episode, and that that day has come and gone. And they're saying it's 2022, 2023 till we'll see these battery improvements. And Tesla's been a company since 2008, if I recall correctly. But at least so it's coming. I'm yes. not. I'm not saying no. Right. Right. I'm just saying. I think we, we still got little, a ways to go. I think he's a little over optimistic. We're talking ten years from today, and it's almost twenty twenty one, gentlemen. Like you really think they're going to be able to pull that off? Nah. Well, in all fairness, according to this article, New Zealand already produces eighty four percent of its electricity from renewable wind. sources currently. Between wind and, and probably hydro, water. yeah, hydroelectric. They have right, a lot yeah. of hydroelectric dams. They yeah, and they have. See, not every country on this planet can do what they're doing because they are unique in the aspect. They are an island country. They have, they're surrounded by water on all sides. They have the ocean around them. They have constant wind off their shores. Like You can't do that in a lot of places. But I'm not saying that those places that can do that shouldn't. I'm just saying that right. it's not a be-all, end-all solution for the entire planet. Well, and you want Absolutely, but it is nice to see... Ways. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it is nice to see people trying to move towards that, though. Right. Um, well, I mean, we've been... Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just, just going to jump in to say, like, for the countries to do it in a responsible and smart way versus something like AOC's Green New Deal. Yeah, I don't want people to suffer I, because yeah. <laughs> of the initiatives. You know, I don't want you to freeze to death during the winter because you can't heat your house because, oh, they said we can't, you know, 
uh, burn oil. Or shut off your electricity at 8 o'clock like they're doing in California. Yeah, rolling blackouts. And that affects where I work. We have a location in California, and it constantly goes down because their power is just awful. And it's to say that it's sustainable, I mean, you can't even keep it up for an entire day. That's what she said. Uh, all right. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt there. Oh, Sorry, no, but, that's all right. Um, I mean, I... I pretty much hit the hit everything on here um so far it is important to note that uh they have not been elected the labor party yet um looks like the election will be held on october 17th which happens to be my birthday by the way oh cool happy early birthday yeah (laughs) and i agree with you sean i think solar is the future i think we need to put solar capturing devices in orbit around the sun and wirelessly ah, transmit that electricity back down to the that earth. That would be cool. And see, and that was that just like in our previous podcast. Where we Nikola Tesla, about. ladies and gentlemen, he I, proved yeah. that you can transmit <laughs> power wirelessly. So it can be done. And in fact, there's a company in We're Japan. on our phones right now. There's a company in Japan right. that's actually looking at doing that right now. That's crazy. Yeah, there and and next, I want to learn more about that. Yeah, next episode we may talk touch on some of that more of the solar stuff because that's really cool technology. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I'd love. I I personally would love to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool, Sean. I I know it'd be right up your alley, man. It's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up here, guys. What do y'all think? Any any last words? No, just other than uh, be on the lookout for a follow-up podcast and we'll finish going over the Constitution and stuff because there are some more amendments and stuff that are very vital to our daily lives. And there's a few that I would like to see changed a little bit. Um, One of them being term limits. Like I think that needs to be a constitutional amendment that we need to have. Um, But that's something we'll get in. Right. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more on the next uh, one of the next podcasts, and yeah, we uh, may give everybody a break next week and and talk about something else, and then re re reapproach this after that. Yeah, because it's not something that you necessarily have to do in a row. Because I mean, at the end of the day, if you're really interested, you can always go back and put them in that order. Um, because we are now available on all podcast streaming platforms. Yes, woo. woo. Uh, we also obviously do our Facebook, and I'm pretty sure pretty soon we're going to be uploading to YouTube as well. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I'm thinking yeah. about y- leaving our YouTube to the video side of it. So if we okay, start yeah, to yeah, do video, work. because our podcast, like you said, is available literally everywhere. There's nowhere that you can't find it. And most people don't go to YouTube to listen to audio right. only. So and, and make sure you guys please like, share, subscribe. We're trying to build our audience. Uh, we're doing pretty decent so far for it just being people off, we know. Yeah, off the cusp. So. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. But if uh, I mean, if you guys know anybody that is interested in this kind of stuff, please, please, please share um, to get us out there. We definitely are trying to expand our listener base. And we are always open to suggestions, criticism, anything you have, anything you want us to talk about, anything you want us to do, please let us know. And also, if you want to submit a question, you can do, th- do that through the Anchor website, anchor.fm slash unbiasedfreedompodcast. And um, we'll send a link for you that uh, on this show so that you can do that. But you can record a message. We'll play it on air, whatever that question may be. And we'll respond to it in real time and 
that that's how we can can communicate with everybody and talk. So it'd be cool, I think, to bring some of the listeners into the foray. And if you have a topic that you are passionate about and you want to be a guest, please let us know. We will figure it out. We'll either have you come over and do it in person. We'll do a video uh, chat if we have to, or we can even do a phone call like we did last week with Sean. But luckily this week we have uh, a little bit better connection with Sean. So yeah, yeah. It's been really good yeah, going forward absolutely. now that he's going to be a part of our show, Yeah, which we're, we're stoked about. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, if there's somebody who is passionate and they want to be a guest on the show and they have something that they want to talk about, we would, we, I'm just reiterating, reiterating what Thomas just said. We would love to have someone do that. So yeah. Because it's a blast. Somebody coming in with more knowledge than we do, we can ask those questions and we can, you know, just have a natural, organic conversation. And I think it benefits everybody. I think it's really good. Be open-minded. Be willing to have your mind changed on certain subjects. And, and you know, don't just be fixed in your way because that's not how you grow. You have to have that want for knowledge you yeah and that's what we have and that's what we are trying to convey in our podcast yeah when i'm wrong i'll tell you straight out if i'm wrong you know oops yeah i'm wrong all the time (laughs) yeah okay you're right i'm wrong my bad but but facts (laughs) well and that knowledge uh, knowledge only come (laughs) um but that and that knowledge only comes from you know research and other people's viewpoints you know sometimes Sometimes it just takes a conversation with somebody exactly. uh, to really get it to sink home. Yeah, because people tend to get set in their ways. And for, for the benefit of everybody, you need to be able to have polite conversation. Obviously, if you're really passionate, you start getting worked up and stuff like that. That's understandable. As long as you don't become disrespectful, start throwing out insults, this and that, because then you don't go anywhere. Because as soon as somebody I'm talking to someone, they throw out an insult. Boom. I'm completely disinterested. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I I feel like you have to go into it with a clear head. You have to know what you want to convey. And at the end of the day, we're all, you know, we're all entitled to our own opinions. But be willing to have your mind changed. Be willing to have tough conversations. I think that's exactly. where real change happens. Yeah, and exactly walk, have a have a conversation rather than an argument. Right, and walking up to people outside eating their food and drinking their their drinks and smashing glasses and flipping tables upside down and telling people to say this or do that, that is not public discourse. That is authoritarian oppression. And we got to do better than that, America. This is true. You mean coercion is uh, is a bad thing? Yeah, coercion is uh, frowned upon, especially in the Libertarian Party. We don't like that. (laughs) Well, I guess I won't hold the gun to your head and say, you like this now. We can have that conversation, but let's, (laughs) let's do it in a respectful manner and and let's have an open dialogue about it. You know, public discourse is a good thing. That's how we progress. (laughs) Which I'm just going to throw that one of the things I really enjoy. I know he's a little bit more right leaning than a lot of people. Steven Crowder's change my mind are fantastic. Those are great because he does go into it. He has his facts. He tries to get people to actually convey what they're trying to say without being violent. Now, obviously a lot of people aren't, but there's a lot of really good information on those conversations. And they're pretty entertaining. I, lo- I love it, yeah. It, Steven Crowder's a hoot. Man. Well, he's a great comedian, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he is. That I mean, he's he's really cool. 
Um, and I just want to do a special thanks real quick to Tim Smith for some of the, uh, the comments, man. We appreciate it. So hopefully yes, we sir. touched on some of the things that you were voicing your opinion on, on this episode as it applied to the constitution. So. Exactly. And any other comments and questions, please let us know. You can direct message us. You can send us a text. If you have our numbers, um, send in a voice, uh, question on anchor, that would be awesome because then we can actually play your question on and then answer it from there. I think that would be really fun to get that engagement. Yeah, that interaction would be great. So, all right. Well, I guess we're going to wrap it up here, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you hanging with us. And uh, Sean, it's glad to have you back, man. Looking forward to doing this uh, every Sunday, every week. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again for including me. I really enjoyed it. Um, one thing I did want to touch on before we leave is uh, the fact that we are going to be covering the debates live this week. So if that is something that interests you, please, please, please tune in. Uh, give us any kind of feedback. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> I just asked Ian, I was like, hey, should we do this? But yes, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central, we will be doing a live stream during the debates. Please join us. It'll be audio only on Facebook, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, that will probably get posted to YouTube after it's done on Facebook. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, that ought to be a good time. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much again for joining us on the Unbiased Freedom Podcast. We love this. We love having you guys. We love the interaction. And we can't wait to see you guys on the next one. I don't see any of you, but I don't know how he's doing what he's doing. Figuratively, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Bye.